Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome back to God's Whole Story. We are continuing our journey through Kings and Chronicles, and yesterday we left off with Micaiah being called in to give a word of the Lord, uh, as well as all of Ahab's prophets, and today we, we... kind of see the result of that cliffhanger, uh, the words that come. Uh, and so all of the prophets of Ahab, they tell him, hey, go go and attack these guys. It's going to be great. You're going to have great success. Um, and later on in the story, we find out that these are actually prophets that have a lying spirit that was sent upon them by God. And Micaiah, the good prophet, the prophet that does say what the Lord is saying, uh, says, don't do it. This is going to be a bad move. So... We've got this interesting thing, Don. What, what in the this prophetic scene here with good prophets and bad prophets? What, what jumps out at you? Yeah, it, it, it um, really hit me. First of all, how Ahab he kind of knew that the good prophet, the prophet of the Lord, would say something he didn't mm-hmm. like, and so he was like, oh, "Okay, I guess we'll finally let this guy speak." But he never said anything good. Uh, so that that or good for Ahab anyway. Good for Ahab, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the whole scene of how it sets up uh, how the lying prophet was, uh, you know, the lying spirit was put in the mouth of the prophet and how God had this brainstorming session in heaven, it seems like, <laughs> yeah. about how can we how can we get these people to get him to go into the battle? And um, there's just a lot in there that that uh, just fascinating to me. It was, it was kind of a behind the scenes look of how God basically took out Ahab. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we even have this amazingly random archer that just happens to shoot into a crowd and hit Ahab if we didn't know who it was in the right place. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, the whole story is just, I mean, you can really see the sovereignty of God in this that like, okay, God is raising up kings and he takes them down, which that's kind of a phrase from Daniel, but w- we still see that happening we here sure in Kings. Did. Yeah, because it, it, it seemed to me like Ahab was trying to do everything to control the situation, make it go his way. You know, with the, the lying prophets, he listened. To the, he wanted to listen to them, and then he went anyway after hearing the good prophet. And then he said, "I'm not going to dress up like the king." Mm-hmm. So he had he had his plan all figured out, and uh, a random arrow <laughs> through the joint in the in his armor takes him out. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, one of the things we always like to do too is, you know, you can read a story like this and the story itself is pretty cool. Like just, okay, wow, that's an amazing story. But at the same time, we want to say, okay, what what can we learn? What mm-hmm. what do we see? Uh, and one of the things that kind of stood out to me is, um, you know, I kind of see Ahab as having advisors or prophets that would give him what he wanted to hear that would kind of tickle his ears. Uh, and then he hated Micaiah. Because he, he was being truthful to the word of the Lord, and because Ahab was wicked, the word of the Lord was never a good thing for him. Yeah. So he didn't like this guy because he didn't say what he wanted. And it makes me go, like, how many times do we do that, though, where, you know, we we want to hear things in the scripture that agree with what we already mm-hmm. think, or we want to have, we want to go to a church and hear the pastor say something that we say, man, I love what the pastor said today. I agreed with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course we want to go to a church that kind of does line up with a lot of, hopefully if you're a mature Christian with a lot of what you believe, but there's gotta be that place that we also allow the word of God or a prophetic message or a pastoral word to challenge us. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of like bring correction mm-hmm. where we need to see it. And so that was kind of, I think, something that 
stood out to me is like, hey, do I sure look for those words of encouragement, but also am I willing to hear the word of the Lord when it's something that I don't like? Yeah, when it's something yeah. I, that's difficult. I haven't thought about like, do we sometimes go to a, a friend that we know will mm. agree with what we want to do versus going to a friend who will tell us the yeah. truth? Uh, I think I think we we're do all that. Guilty of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, and the uh, the the blood licking thing. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, that the happened. Dogs, the dogs. Hey, uh, I did go to the dogs. Hey, have went to the dogs. <laughs> yep. So, uh, if you're just jumping into today's listening and you have not heard. Uh, yesterday's we saw a prophecy of Jezebel Ahab and his sons meeting a a violent death involving dogs, and so we we see part of that being fulfilled here with Ahab. Yeah. Uh, so we've we've got this strange thing with Ahab going on, but then we also have an interaction with the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who we've seen in other readings. You know, he wasn't a perfect king. Uh, he made this alliance that he had with Ahab; it was a little suspect. But while today Jehoshaphat looks pretty darn good. Yeah, he does. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if we give him enough credit or hear about him enough, but what a what a king. And I, I love the way he um, laid out. It, it tells how he actually laid out to the judges of Israel. Mm. Like, here's what true justice is. That, that's some really good stuff. Fear the Lord. He said, uh, judge with integrity. Uh, you know, don't pervert justice. Don't take bribes or partiality. I mean, these were instructions. He talked to them about the fear of the Lord. Being faithful, don't have a divided heart. Hmm. Man, that that is rich. It was rich, really rich stuff. Yeah, so that that's in Second Corinthians, or not Corinthians, Second Chronicles, mm-hmm. uh, chapter nineteen that we're mm-hmm. referring to there. Yeah, I, we were reading that out loud. I was just like, "Whoa, there's a there's a lot here. I need to come back to this passage and just chew on this a little bit." Um, and then we've got this story right after that, where all these uh, other nations come come up to war against Jehoshaphat. Uh, and Jehoshaphat is terrified. He realizes this is a really bad situation. But the way he seeks the Lord, the way he calls people into fasting, uh, they immediately begin to seek the Lord's help. And even one really just powerful phrase is uh, where he just basically says, we do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Yeah. Um, well, there's definitely some application in that. Boy, there sure is. It made me think of, you know, in areas that I lead, am I willing to be that vulnerable if- to say mm. to the people that I'm supposed to be leading, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but God, we're looking to you. Yeah. So it wasn't like helpless, but it was recognized in, our, in ourselves. We don't know what we're doing, mm. but God, we're looking to you. This wasn't the fake it till you make it kind of <laughs> it, it motto. Wasn't, was it? No. I'm like, Which, I mean, sometimes that does happen in leadership that sure. you kind of just you figure it out along mm-hmm. the way. But, uh, you know, it, it does take a humility as a leader to say, I don't know what to do, <laughs> yeah. but let's seek God yeah. who does. Yeah, and I loved his prayer too. I never really thought about it before until I was reading it out loud. That his prayer, like it really reminds God of the faithfulness, uh, of God's faithfulness and what he's done in the past. And now here we are today. And there's something about that, man. When we look back at God's faithfulness, mm. it sets us up to believe God in the in the midst of a struggle that we're in today. And... uh of course, there's a good ending of the story. Uh, I mean, God does this incredible thing where basically their enemies start fighting against themselves. And when they come up on the hill and they look over where they're we're going to be in battle, there's just a bunch of dead bodies laying around. That's... Uh, and then they go and plunder them. And, uh, and then one of the phrases that really jumped out kind of as a summary here is that then there's peace in the land. Hmm. Um, and that actually, uh, when I saw that again, it reminded me of that was often the end of 
uh, every cycle in Judges, that when mm. a judge had done what God wanted them to, even though sometimes it was they were quite foul individuals, the land had rest, the land had peace, and it, it kind of has echoes of that, that this obedience to the Lord, this crying out to the Lord, not only was a victory, but the victory had consequences for, it doesn't say for how many years, but for a period of time that there's just rest and mm-hmm. peace. Um, what, what an incredible story there. It really is. Yeah. Well, some good stuff today. Hope you guys are enjoying this journey. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow as we continue on. Uh, tomorrow we're going to dive into some more encounters with Elijah. So that should be fun. See you later. First Kings chapter 22, starting in verse 10. King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robes, were sitting on thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. One of them, Zedekiah, son of Kena, made some iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord said. With these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him, Look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micaiah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should we hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically, Yes, go up and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. But the king replied sharply, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micaiah told him, In the vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, Their masters have been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you, the king of Israel explained to Jehoshaphat, He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne with all the armies of heaven around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions and finally a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? The Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all of your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenna, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. Since when did the spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you, he demanded. And Micaiah replied, you will find out soon enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. Arrest him, the king of Israel ordered. Take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the battle. But Micaiah replied, if you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added to those standing around, everyone mark my words. Second Chronicles chapter 18, starting in verse 9. King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in the royal robes, were sitting on the throne at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. One of them, Zedekiah, son of Kenna, made some iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord says. With these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, Go to Ram- Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get King Micaiah said to him, Look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micaiah replied, As sure as the Lord lives, I will say only what my God says. Then Micaiah arrived before the king, and Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to roar 
war against Ramoth Gilead, or should I hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically, Yes, go up and be victorious, for you will have victory over them. But the king replied sharply, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micaiah told him, In the vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And then the Lord said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you, the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued, Listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all his armies of heaven around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice King Ahab of Israel to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? The Lord asked. The spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of your prophets for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenna, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. Since when did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you, he demanded. And Micaiah replied, you will soon find out soon enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. Arrest him, the king of Israel ordered. Take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the battle. But Micaiah replied, if he returns safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added to those standing around, everyone mark my words. First Kings chapter 22, starting verse 29. So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. The kings of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle, I will disguise myself so that no one will recognize me, but you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So when the Aramean char chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There's the king of Israel, they shouted. But when Jehoshaphat called out, the chariot commanders realized that he was not the king of Israel and they stopped chasing him. An Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow as the Israelite troops at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot. I'm badly wounded. The battle raged on all that day, and the king remained propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran down to the floor of the chariot, as, and as evening arrived, he died. Second Chronicles chapter 18, starting in verse 28. So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, As we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you will wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to the chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So when the Aramean chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted. But Jehoshaphat called out and the Lord saved him. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. As soon as the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, they stopped chasing him. An Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot. I'm badly wounded. The battle raged all that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Arameans. In the evening, just as the sun was setting, he died. First Kings chapter 22, starting in verse 36. Just as the sun was setting, the cry ran through the troops, We're done for! Run for your lives! So the king died, and his body was taken to Samaria and buried there. 
Then his chariot was washed beside the pool of Samaria, and dogs came and licked his blood at the place where the prostitutes bathed, just as the Lord had promised. The rest of the events in Ahab's reign and everything he did, including the story of the ivory palace and the town he built, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So Ahab died, and his son Ahaziah became the next king. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, began to rule over Israel in the 17th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the example of his father and mother and the example of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had led Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him, provoking the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. Second Chronicles 19 When King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived safely home in Jerusalem, Jehu, son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He asked the king. Because of what you have done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land, and you have committed yourself to seeking God. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, but he went out among the people, traveling to Beersheba, to the hill country of Ephraim, encouraging people to return to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. He appointed judges throughout the nation in all the fortified towns, and he said to them, Always think carefully before pronouncing judgment. Remember that you do not judge to please people, but to please the Lord. He will be with you when you render the verdict in each case. Fear the Lord and judge with integrity, for the Lord your God does not tolerate perverted justice, partiality, or taking bribes. In Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and clan leaders to Israel to serve as judges for cases involving the Lord's regulations and civil disputes. These were his instructions to them. You must always act in the fear of the Lord with faithfulness and an undivided heart. Whenever a case comes to you from fellow citizens in an outlying town, whether a murder case or some other violation of God's laws, commands, decrees, or regulations, you must warn them to not sin against the Lord, so he will not be angry with you and them. Do this, and you will not be guilty. Amariah the high priest will have final say in all cases involving the Lord. Zebediah, son of Ishmael, the leader of the tribe of Judah, will have the final say in all civil cases. The Levites will assist you in making sure that justice is served. Take courage as you fulfill your duties, and may the Lord be with those who do what is right. Second Chronicles 20. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Minyanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazaron Tamar. This is another name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard in the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people of Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. 
They said, whenever we're faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. And now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of their land, out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mattiah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of, at, at the end of the valley that opens in the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. So after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began to attack each other. So when the army of Judah arrived to the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. And they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against all the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came upon them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. 
Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.